Amen. Good morning, church. Um, a couple weeks ago, I set out on a journey when I was asked by one of the children in the other end, he said, and he says to me, what do elders do? And so I went on a little journey to find out from others what it is they think that elders do in the church. Um, I had one that says, you know, basically they're old men. Well, that's Ned, Dave, and um, Jason, not I. But um, they order a lot of pizza. And I'm like, no, that's the youth minister that does that. And so um, I got to share, one of the teens said to me, yeah, don't they sit around in powdered wigs and make unilateral decisions for everything? I said, no, I think you're thinking about the Supreme Court. But no, that's not what we do. And so, so I thought to myself, what, what can I say that elders do? And so in Acts chapter 20, there's a story that paints this real moving picture of what it was like to be a shepherd in the early church. And in this passage, Paul is getting set to set sail for Jerusalem and eventually on to Rome, where he will be imprisoned and strongly opposed during this journey. But as Paul leaves Ephesus, he calls the elders of the church in Ephesus together. And they meet with him. And here's what happens. In Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28, we read these words. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Everywhere in the New Testament where the word that is used to describe elders comes back to this primary metaphor that is used for God and his leaders, and that is of shepherds. So keep watch over yourself and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to, to draw disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I have never stopped warning each of you, night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Man, what a charge. What a loaded statement that Paul gives to the elders. But I want you to pay attention to their response to what Paul says. 
And when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. Being an elder or a shepherd or an overseer is not an easy calling. But it is vitally important for God's people. As we see in this story, it involves such things as protecting God's people. Verse 28 and again in verse 30. Maintaining the truth of God among his people. Verse 29. Sacrificing and continually giving to bless others. Verses 32 to 35. Prayer. Verse 36. Empathy and emotional attachment. Verse 37. And sometimes it even involves sorrow. Verse 38. And as always, it involves a willingness to walk with people through the hardest times in life. You see, God's people need leaders who know how to follow Jesus with all of their heart with all of their soul, with all of their mind, and all of their strength. But God's called no one that is perfect at that. But God's calls for his church to be led by people who seek him, serve him, and love him in ways that are an example for the whole body. Servant leaders... That's what God wants for his church. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10. And that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning. And in John chapter 10, Jesus talks about shepherds. He's speaking to the religious leaders of Israel. And he says this, starting in verse 1 of John chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And listens to his voice, he calls out his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pastor. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. 
Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Now behind this text in John chapter 10, there is a passage in Ezekiel 34. And I wish I had time to read through that, so I'm going to assign that as homework for you all. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, know this, that God is talking to the leadership of Israel, and God sends the prophet Ezekiel to confront the religious leaders and tell them, he says, you know, your bad leadership is why these people are in exile. You shepherds of Israel, let me tell you what you're doing. Instead of actually shepherding the sheep, you've been feeding off of them. And that is not what I've called you to do. He says, you have brought disaster because you've been self-indulgent. You have coveted riches. And you have given no heed to the needs of the flock. And as a result, the shepherds have been, or the sheep have been left vulnerable to wild animals all around them. And then God, in a few verses later, turns it around. And in Ezekiel 34, he says, you know, if I want something done right, I'll do it myself. He said, I'm going to be the shepherd of these people. God says, I am going to be the good shepherd. And I'm not going to be self-indulgent. Instead, I'm going to be attentive and concerned for the flock of God's people. And with that behind us, it kind of makes sense why Jesus picks up on this text in John chapter 10. And he says this, and because I'm the king of kings... I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd of Ezekiel 34, the leader of this people, and I will save this flock. But as it pertains to us right now, I want to take a moment, because in John chapter 10, Jesus sets forth an example, not only in the statement that I am the good shepherd, but in an example, example of good shepherding that I think we can learn from. In a very helpful little book Tom called The Shepherd Leader, Timothy Whitmer and John has four main functions of the shepherd that are present in this text in John. And he says in particular that shepherds have several jobs and those jobs at the very least go to these four things. And those four things are, they are suppo- number one, they are supposed to know the sheep. Second, they are to feed the sheep. And third, they are to lead the sheep. And fourth, they are to guard the sheep. That is the role of the shepherd elder within the flock. Then Whitmer says, 
that this happens on two different levels. First of all, the macro level, and then the micro level. The macro level is stuff that involves the congregational, the congregation as a whole. So the elder is to know, feed, lead, and guard the congregation as a whole. But on the micro level, it happens in the individual lives of the people of the congregation. And so there is this both and that is needed. Because shepherds are not so much decision makers as they are people who love and care for God's flock. Let me repeat that. Shepherds are not so much decision makers as they are people who love and care for God's flock. And with that in mind, let us look at these four things. First in John 10, verse 14, Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So here we talk about knowing. The shepherd elder will know the flock. And what does that mean to the congregation as a whole? It means that shepherds will know the identity of the flock. They will know the ethos, the characteristics that make up the church, the culture, the strengths we have, the weaknesses we have, the traits, the opportunities. Our shepherds are responsible for having their finger on the pulse of the congregation, being aware of the vitality, its vision, its overall health. And to do that, we all play a part in that. We help our shepherds do that by becoming a member. And in case you haven't heard the phrase around here very often, we often say that membership matters. Not because we're going to give you a membership badge or teach you a secret handshake so that we, when we walk up to you, we go, oh, they don't know the secret handshake. Well, okay. We don't hold secret meetings that you don't get to be a part of. We don't go to Mexico, although some of us would like that, where we don't let you be a part of it. It's not exclusive like that. But when it comes to the, what the main point of the matter is, how do we know the overall health of our flock if we don't know who our flock is? How do we know the traits, talents, and opportunities that God is providing within our flock if we don't know who our flock is? There's also another turn here. It is much easier for you to be convinced that you don't fit in or you really don't connect if you don't ever commit to this flock in the first place. Because when you join Christ in baptism, you become one of his sheep in what some people call the invisible church, the church universal, the church across time and across space. The church everywhere and for all time and across history. So you've been placed, as DJ was today, he's been placed among the number of the children of God when he joined Christ in baptism. 
So when you join the local church and commit to say, these people, I will walk with them and you will walk with me. When you commit your life in a local congregation, a local outpost of faith, if you will, you connect your destiny with theirs and you experience a fullness of community in ways that simply don't exist individually. And you have a place where you can exercise your faith. I had a professor at Rochester University by the name of Adam Hill. And he often described the church as somewhat of a laboratory. It's where we do all of our science experiments. Because before I can ever go out and love my weird neighbor, now that's a purpose we have, Remember, late last year, we talked about um, loving our neighbors, getting to know them in more than a superficial way. I hope you guys are doing that. I hope it's going well for you. But before I can go out and love my weird neighbor, who is difficult, does not communicate well, and I'm not even sure that he likes me, where can I practice that? Where can I get better at that? right here. These people that I share a common destiny and a common unity with. So I can look around me and I can say, oh, there's plenty of weird people here. I can try loving them. And they can try loving me. Because if they can love me, then I know they're ready to tackle loving their neighbor. I promise. This is where we can try things, such as forgiving people who don't deserve it. This is where we can listen to God speak through people that we didn't normally think that God would speak through them. This is where that happens. This is where we can find strength that we didn't know that was available to us. This is where we can actually find a form of sanctification that I don't know how you get it any other way. The Bible says so many times that as Christians we are called to bear with one another, to forgive one another, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another. And how you do that without a one another, I don't know. The church is where you find a one another to do life with. And if we don't commit to being a member of the local community of faith, it's amazing how easy it is to turn around and say, I don't know if I fit in. So join in. Be here. And on a micro level, for our shepherds to know our people or to know the flock, it happens in individual conversations and visitations. It happens in the caring of the people that they have charge of. Because what you think and what you need and what you want and what you care about is important. What you deal with, what you go through, what you groan under is important. 
each member family or each member household of this congregation is assigned or divided up to a specific and it blah, 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 blah. okay. We all right? Happen. How do you not get tongue tied? I don't know. Each member household in our church is assigned, is divided up, and assigned to one of our shepherds. And we shepherds carry that household to the throne of God in prayer every time that we meet. And we meet regularly. We carry that household to the throne of God in prayer because of the work of the shepherds. Every need that we are aware of, we gather together and we pray over each week. We pray every Monday at 6 o'clock-ish. Very heavy on the ish sometimes. But on our own time, the elders get together and pray for every pastoral need that we're aware of. You can know that your elder shepherds spend more time in prayer than they do in the business decisions of the church. And when it comes to what we accomplish, we spend more time praying for you than we do actual making of business decisions. But if we don't know you, and look, I'm not equating knowing Jesus with being a member of the church, but as elders, we can provide the best mentoring, the best training, and the best discipleship training for you if we know who you are. Because then we take, can take seriously the care or the charge to care for you as, she, as a sheep. And our elders will know you. We can invest more deeply in the discipleship training of those who are members because we know them. And in verse 9 of John chapter 10, John discusses that shepherds lead the sheep out and find pasture. Our shepherds feed the sheep of God. And in Psalm 23, in verse 1, we read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. Or as I memorized it going up, growing up, I shall not be in want, or I shall not want. And this is a picture of contentment because of the work of the divine shepherd. And I'll tell you, in a world that is hyper-fixated and vigilant on having enough, in our culture, it seems like we ponder questions such as, will I have enough to retire on? Will I have enough to put my kids through college? Will I have enough to make it through the day? Will I have enough to keep my marriage healthy? Will I have enough to pass this test? Will I have enough to get into college? Will I be enough to please my parents? But as we see in Psalm 23, verse 1, that knowing that God can provide enough for us gives us great peace. 
God meets our need for provision. And when it comes to feeding God's sheep, the words of Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 4, reminds us that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when it comes to what our shepherds do to feed the sheep here, the shepherds of the church oversee the public ministry of the word of God. From the hiring of staff members, one of our duties as elders is to make sure that they teach rightly the word of God. So whether it's here in the big room or in the classrooms or in our living rooms or whether it's in small groups, We try to administer the word of God faithfully. And as shepherds, we oversee that. Part of our job is equipping people and to the best of our ability, support all of our teaching ministers, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders. To ensure that the word is being taught in ways that are accessible, healthy, and encourage growth. We want a place that fosters spiritual growth. We want to create an environment where people can grow spiritually. And on a micro level, on a personal level, because because of our shepherds and because it's their gift, some of us teach classes. We provide personal testimony, lead Bible studies, we share communion devotions, We share witness about what's going on in our personal lives. We mentor people around us and actively engage in the congregational education. In John chapter 10 and verse 3, we get the third function, and that is to lead the sheep. It says, he calls them by name and he leads them out. A good shepherd leads. On the macro level, that means talking about the vision, the mission, the purpose, and the policies of the church. So as elders, we seek out the truth of the word of God in response to large-scale theological questions facing the church. Some of the ones coming up are, what happens if Roe v. Wade gets overturned? What is our response as a congregation? What are we going to do when that happens, if that happens? So it means that our shepherds commit to leading us through the process of spiritual discernment where we listen to God's spirit together and seek God's counsel as one. It does mean that we get together to oversee the practical business applications of the church to ensure that we are operating in good faith, good legal standing, and with good stewardship. On the micro level, that means setting a good example. Shepherds live lives that bear witness to the faith of which we profess and to believe. And so you should be able to look into the lives of your shepherds And look into their lives and their families and into their homes and into their careers and into their personal faith and see an example of how to live 
And so we talk about a shepherd being able to guide their family. In particular, Scripture says that you can and should examine the life of a shepherd, of the family life of a shepherd, because their home is going to bear witness to the effectiveness of their leadership and their priorities. Now here, let me tell you what that does not mean. That does not mean that our elders have homes that are miraculously free of conflict or arguments, or as I call it, moments of intense fellowship. (laughs) From children who decide to be a little rebellious, or maybe a lot rebellious, They are not free from being able to make mistakes. But you should be able to see how they resolve to to reconcile conflict. Because after all, we are, as elders, real human beings with real human emotions and feelings. You should be able to look and see how they train their children in Christ. You should see what kind of commitment they have to make things right when they make mistakes. And you should see the priority in all of that that they have for Christ's kingdom. Another thing our shepherds do that involves leading at a micro level is actually participating in the life of the church. Not just making decisions, participating. Shepherds don't just go to meetings. They actively engage in ministry initiatives and church activities. They don't lead everything. They don't organize everything. They join in alongside the body of the congregation. And so they join their families in corporate worship. They participate in things such as a bowling league. They play softball and volleyball. They serve at the food drop. They help with VBS. They celebrate with you at your graduation open houses. And they come and especially eat at potlucks. They set up for funeral dinners. They're in small groups, but they don't always lead. They participate in the life of the church. And the last thing I want to look at is how they protect the sheep. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about protecting the sheep. And it's this aspect that takes up the most of John chapter 10. Jesus talks about protecting the sheep. And in verse 10, we read, The thief comes only to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the sheep and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus gives us some several interesting characters in this story. First, there are thieves and robbers, obviously wicked, obviously intent on hurting the flock. 
The second group he gives us is, are the hired hands. They're not like the thieves and robbers in that they're, they are not wicked. They're not trying to harm the sheep. They're just different from the shepherd in that they're self-interested. They're there for the paycheck. It's their job. And as long as the working conditions are acceptable and the pay is reasonable, they're in. But when danger comes, all of a sudden the pay is not deemed to be acceptable. And they're out of here. So one of the more important aspects of shepherding for us as an eldership is to guard the sheep. Now, sheep are somewhat precarious in that they oftentimes get themselves in trouble without any help from anyone else. And they can also be easy prey for wolves and other predators. So as shepherds of God's flock, part of our responsibility is to guard and spot those dangers facing people from the inside and the outside. And one of the ways the shepherds do this on a macro level is spiritual warfare and the ministry of prayer. I talked about prayer earlier. They carry the safety of this church, of this congregation, before God every time that they meet. And we also do this on the micro level, in the lives of families. If a family has a concern or a need that they would like to be prayed for by the elders, we'll pray for them. We'll gather together and pray for, for them. We will lift you up to God. We will encourage you. We will strengthen you. And we do that because we want to protect you when times are rough. And on the macro level, we want to nurture an environment where people can come and helpfully address problems or issues. We want to be a place where you can safely come and approach us and say, I have a need or a concern and I need prayer. Or I need help. We want to be a place where one can say, I need help, helpfully. And hopefully, as an eldership, we can handle, or handle that helpfully. And also through church discipline. Now, no one enjoys the process of church discipline. But healthy discipline is a sign of what we tell our kids is a sign of love and concern. And on the micro level, for those who aren't wandering, there are regular accountability check-ins. Now look, just because the phone rings and you see it's one of the elders, it does not necessarily mean that you're in trouble. It's a sign it means that we're checking in to make sure that you're okay. It's a sign that says, hey, I love you. How are things going? Do you need me to pray for anything? Are you worried about anything? Can I help carry that burden for you? This is a part of protecting that we talk about. And of course, like Jesus, it involves self-sacrifice. Now, as we think about these points that I've shared, 
I want you to consider your eldership. Ned, Dave, Jason, and I. And I hope that you continually lift us up in prayer. But more importantly than that, I want you to look at what Jesus says in John chapter 10. And I hope you can consider the good shepherd. Not just so that we can make a checklist and go, yep, no feed, lead, and guard. Got it. But I hope you remember the good shepherd in particular. I pray you will recall the most important thing that separates Christ from all the other folks mentioned in the passage in John chapter 10. In verse 11 it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But that makes me ponder this question. And I'll pose it to you today. Who or what are you willing to die for that isn't willing to die for you? Who or what are you willing to die for that isn't willing to die for you? Maybe it's some people you're trying to impress. Maybe it's the company you work for. Maybe it's some political party or political ideology. You'll die for it, but it won't die for you. Maybe it's that money, that paper that we chase. You'll die for it, but it won't die for you. Because here's the deal. Those things, those things you're willing to die for, but it won't die for you, Christian, I can tell you, Those are your idols. Those are your hired hands. They may even be your thieves and robbers. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And then again in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There is a good shepherd. That if you will give your life for him, he gave his life for you. He is not a hired hand. He is not a robber. He is the good shepherd. He is your good shepherd. Amen? Let's pray. God, our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. I thank you for each one who is here. I thank you for the overseers that you have placed in this congregation to care for and love for and to serve the membership of this body. Father, I, but more than that, I pray that you will 
continue to bless this congregation, that the leadership would be singularly focused, united, to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, it's not about the things that we do, the things that we accomplish are done to bring honor and glory to your name. That the shepherds and elders and overseers of this flock, that their desire is, is for each of us to know Christ in a more dynamic way, to be filled with more of the Spirit. So Father, I pray that we follow the example of the Good Shepherd Father, we know that the Good Shepherd has laid down his life for us. So, Father, I thank you for the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus. Father, I pray that you continue to bless this congregation in all that we do. Father, help us to be more like Jesus in the things that we say, in our attitudes, and our actions. We ask all these things in Christ's beautiful name. Amen.